Well, hello and good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, November the 14th, 2022, and uh, I'm here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church with all my brother pastors here on the table with me. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, uh, associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon, and I'm joined today with uh, by uh, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. Um, folks, this is probably going to be my last Monday main point with you guys. I I, I was thinking uh, there's a possibility we could do one next Monday. Um, yeah, since right? you're preaching the last sermon. Yeah, I'll still be in town too. So uh, we'll, we'll, this won't be my last one. We'll do one more after this. How about that? Uh, but uh, I will be leaving Rose. This this coming Sunday is my last uh, Sunday at Rose of Sharon. And uh, but yeah, we can do. We'll we'll do uh, we'll do the final main point next Monday. Um, well, my final main point. Um, so, uh, but today we are actually talking about uh, we're talking about uh, the service yesterday, which was an ordination service for Jeremiah. Um, and so we got to ordain Jeremiah yesterday as a uh, as a minister of the gospel. Um, that doesn't mean that he wasn't a minister of the gospel before. Uh, just simply means that uh, now he has been officially. Uh, affirmed in that calling by uh, by other ordained members and um, and by the by the church, and so now he has that sort of certificate that that he can point to to say yes that, that on this date I was affirmed. Um, part of that part of that affirmation uh, in that ceremony is is we always try to get someone to come in and preach a charge, sort of a a, a challenge. Um, you know, um, to 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 the ordained candidate, and we got Dr. Scott Pace to come in yesterday, and he actually brought the message, and brought the charge from Second Timothy, uh, which if you know anything about Second Timothy and Paul's letter, well, First Timothy and Second Timothy, especially Second Timothy, if you know anything about that letter, Paul is writing to his sort of protege, his son in the faith. Um, and uh, the, the guy that he has been sort of mentoring all this time, and he's writing to him because Timothy is about to become, uh, or maybe at this point is, the pastor at the uh, church in Ephesus. And Paul is sort of writing to him these, uh, he, Paul knows he's, he's in prison, he's awaiting execution. He knows that his time on earth is not much longer and so he wants to give Timothy some last instructions. And so these are the the Second Timothy is his last letter to that we at least we we have is his last letter to Timothy. And um, it, it, in it, he does give him instructions, sort of on how to pastor well um, and how to be a, a, a good maker of disciples. And so um, it's a great place then to take a text if you're going to charge. Um, an ordina- uh, you know, if you're preaching a charge at an ordination for, for a minister. And so that's exactly where he went. Um, there's lots of places you could go in 2 Timothy. Mm. Uh, you know, um, the, the, I think it's there that he says preach the word, right? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Most people would go for an ordination service to that, that first grouping, which we reference that a lot during the uh yeah and, and just council. And yeah another place you go is second timothy 2 2 it's like what you heard from me and trust this to other men who are able to teach that's right yeah. that, that, that's another one right so there's like i said there's lots of places yeah, you can go in second timothy book. um and then if you wanted to i mean you could go to first timothy and look at the qualifications mm-hmm. for a minister but i don't know that i've ever actually heard anybody preach 
from verses six through yeah, eight. That's what we we're talking about. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, yeah, because during the council, you know, I, was, I told everybody I was the last to talk at the very end right. when we were doing our encouragement. I was like, you're all still in my verse because that was the first three or four verses there. But you never hear that one. And I was telling Jeremiah, I thought that was interesting that he chose that. But I thought it was good because it's at the end of Paul's life. So it's given Jeremiah a view of like a future looking back. Like you're starting out in this position in this new church. But uh, Paul's been there. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was good that, good the way he did that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, just to kind of put it in context, let's just, uh, I'm going to back up. I'll, I'll read those first uh, five verses because they're good. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll read the six through eight as well. And then we'll just kind of talk about the message because there's a lot that we, man, there's a whole lot. He showed us uh, yesterday in the message. There's a lot you can unpack in those three mm-hmm. verses. And uh, he did a great job of unpacking it. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about some application aspects of, of that. So um, here we go. Uh, Paul writes, I, sol- I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And it's normally where people would stop. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Pace took his text from these next verses. For I, Paul writes, am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Great verses. Um, And so, yeah, he focused on those last verses, starting with Paul saying, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. And and, um, the title of his message was God's Faithful Servant, which that's exactly what Paul was. And Paul is... You're right. Paul, as, as God's faithful servant, is sort of encouraging Timothy. Timothy, this is, I have served as God's faithful servant, and this is what it means to be God's faithful servant, right? And the first thing that he points out, that, that Dr. Pace pointed out from this first verse, that, that already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close, is that God has a strategic plan for his faithful servants, and he, he brought up two points here. One is that our lives are a spiritual offering and that our lives have a specific calling. Um, and so in the spiritual offering, he talked about he talked at length about what Paul means when he's talking about being poured out as a drink offering. Um, and uh, I just heard a message recently. Um, in fact, it was while I was in Armenia. Um, where a good brother of mine, um, uh, Andrew Obster, who was actually on your, your ordination council, he preached. Uh, he preached on uh, to um, the pastors from the south from this pa- from this passage, and was taught and, and said, "I'm going to challenge you today to be poured out for 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 others." And um, 
there, you know, that, that means a lot. Um, and especially in that context, it meant a lot. Um, but his point was that we should be living lives, especially as Christian leaders, where we're pouring ourselves out, pouring ourselves out um, in service of the kingdom and in service of making disciples. Um, and, and, you know, the image there of, of a, you know, a vessel, a drink offering, um, you don't leave anything in the vessel when you make a drink offering, Jeremiah, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're taking that vessel and you're pouring everything out of it. Um, and like I think uh, Dr. Pace was saying, you know, every single drop is coming out of this, right? And, yeah. and, and he's going to spend all of it. Um, I mean, what does that look like practically for, for, for a person um, for a person to pour themselves out in this way? What is it? What is that? How does how does that look practically? I mean, not not just for a minister, but I would say anybody who's a disciple is called to pour themselves out. Um, but how do they do that? What's it look like? Yeah, I mean, he comes to the end of his race, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about that probably point two, right? And uh, leading into point three, but um, I mean, you look at Paul's life and how much he he gave and he's like look i gave i gave it all i I can i can go in confidence to rest or Mm -hmm. to heaven to be with jesus knowing that i took every opportunity i possibly could i poured out everything and a few a few scriptures come to mind when i think of this like so practically, I'll let y'all kind of handle more practical. I kind of want to dive into like drink offering and two scriptures that come to mind when I think of drink offering. And I don't think he mentioned either one yesterday. But one is Psalm 22, which is one of the Messianic Psalms where Jesus, if it's Jesus speaking, which is complicated, but the author of Psalm 22 who's who's writing um, basically says, I am being poured out as a drink offering. And then, of course... Psalm 23 uh, talks about how our cup overflows, right? So Jesus is being poured out, our cup's overflowing. And I think that's intentional, personally. But then the other one, the other drink offering I think about, to your point earlier... Is is when David's David, mighty yeah, man? Yeah, that's, I was that, that was the first thing. That, that, that's that, that's the one that always comes to my mind. I want, mind too. I want yeah. a fresh drink from the whale. Yeah, yeah, and they, they're like they go behind enemy lines, get them a cup. But to your point, Jonathan, how weird would it have been if he'd have been like, I'm going to pour out this as an offering, but then takes a drink first. Right. Mm. Right. Like he he poured out. The the story is so powerful because he literally pours it out to his deity, to God. Right. To the Lord, like as an offering, as a as a sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, of course, it wasn't really his sacrifice, but it does show like this is this is big time like this is valuable to me right i want to give that to god and he gives all he gives everything well it's like this is too valuable a thing for me to enjoy i should because it means so much and these men risk their lives to yeah these men risk their lives to bring this to me i can't take this for myself it's too it's too special i'm giving it to god yeah that's it I, i wonder too um when when Paul and when Jesus is talking about well it's clear when Jesus if, if Psalm twenty two is in reference to Jesus being yeah. poured out as as a drink offering yeah. um, from um, 
Paul says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, yeah. which, is, which is interesting, right? Um, a lot of times I think of, and we use this language when we're talking about discipleship, um, uh, pouring out, but also pouring in. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if, in a practical way, when we talk about um, pouring out our lives, do we mean just, um, do we mean just exhausting ourselves? Like some people could take that and go, okay, well, I poured out my life by just exhausting myself in, in you know, reading scripture. I exhausted myself and just praying all the time. But I'm wondering more, guys, if it doesn't mean to pour, pour. I'm pouring myself out to pour into someone else. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and especially like in like when talking about like with pastors and stuff, you know, talking about like just pouring into your congregation, you know, or your Sunday school <clears throat> teacher really pouring into his or her kind of uh, class there. Um, I don't think it's saying get burnt out by doing it, right? By any means, because obviously, if you're going to be pouring yourself out to people, you got to be having some stuff being poured in so that you can go feed other people, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know there's some self care, if if you will, you know right. that you need to do with um, your personal disciplines in order to be able to do that well. Right. But there doesn't there does seem to be this notion that, uh, I, like you said, you you can't pour out what hasn't been poured in. I get right. that. But there does seem to be Jeff this idea that we're not to there's no there's no indication in Scripture that that we're supposed to just kind of come and be poured into. And then just hold on to that for ourselves. Right. And so if you look at uh, the woman at the well, when Jesus said he would be living waters, and that uh, if you drink from my cup, uh, the water will be flowing through you. Yeah. So uh, I think so often in Christianity, or maybe American churchianity, people pour into themselves, you know, the latest Mm -hmm. book, the latest preaching, teaching, podcast, whatever, and... I'm getting all this stuff and, and I'm joining, I'm going to all these conferences and all these things aren't bad in and of themselves. But all it is, I'm just getting stuff poured into me, but I never have anything pouring out of me. Then what good was your life then? You're a vessel and yeah, you're full, but um, you know, God doesn't pour into us just to pour into us. He, he wants us to, to have our lives living so it flows out. And I think that's what Paul is... Because is, I drink off, if you think it about it, once it hits the ground, yeah. you, most people say, well, what a waste, you know, because you can't, you can't retrieve it. Right. It's, 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 it's poured out. Right. And so I think so often maybe we try to hold on to it and try to feel like this is something I've got to keep because if I pour it out and use it, then it's gone mm-hmm. and I think that's the wrong kind of mentality to have because um, God just didn't save us for us to have this best life now and you you're this prosperous you know blessed person that never has any problems or cares right. and that you could just walk around like this big vessel of of, of flowing liquid of the Holy Spirit right. and you're just it's like I'm holding it all myself and I'm keeping it mm-hmm. well that's not that's not scriptural or biblical you know we pour it out, and yeah. hopefully, uh, which is a good cautionary tale for us as pastors. And, and Blake mentioned, we we have to have someone pouring into us in order to pour out. And hopefully, it's the Holy Spirit, God's yes. Word, prayer, other people, and then we do need the teachings and the um, you know the preaching and all. I mean, I love to go and ha- hear preaching because 
you know, when you're up there preaching every week, you know, uh, you need someone to preach into your life. And right. so that's why it's important for us to do those things so that we can continue to pour out. Yeah. And there's and there there seems to be Jeremiah uh, an, an active aspect in pouring out. It's not this is not a passive pouring out, right? Yeah. So it means that, like all sacrifices, it costs something. Mm. It, it this this isn't this isn't something that's going to be done, uh, you know, freely. And it's funny, you know, think about think about the language we use sometimes. People talk about it all the time. Well, I, you know, I'm just not getting fed, mm. you know, and things like that. It's all about what what I'm getting. They're so concerned with with one. They're concerned with with what's coming into them and what I what I am receiving. Um, and I can understand that if 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 the goal then is say I can't give out, but I, I can't pour out because I'm not getting I'm not getting filled up, right? Okay, well then that is a problem. But if you're just saying, well, I I'm I'm not getting filled up and I want my cup full right now. Not so that I can give it to somebody else, but I just want my cup full, right? Yeah. You know, um, that's that's different. But going back to what I was saying, I think that, that there is a cost. I think that it, it costs time. It costs resources. If you're going to pour your life into somebody else's life, you're going to pour yourself out to make disciples, then you've got to be intentional about it. You have to, you, you've got to have uncomfortable conversations with people You've got to um, you, you've got to be willing to give up your time to meet with them. You've got to make other people a priority. All those things, right? In order to in order to truly pour the things that we see Paul doing. I mean, Paul literally. We'll talk about it. Paul Paul is sacrificing himself in all kinds of ways, all so that he can see disciples made, all off of the kingdom of God, right? Yeah, um, and I think I think pace nailed it with like how he how he couched it all in God's strategic plan mm-hmm. because in the context like when you especially when you get past the comma like and the time of my departure has come talking about active I think when we think when we think like the end being near for us most of the time we think that's a passive thing like mm-hmm. it's just gonna happen I can't really control it but we live our lives as though it's not. I need I need to stay full because I still have a long life ahead of me. Right. And I think That's I think good. in the context Paul is trying to say like actively rather than living as though I need to fill myself up and stay full because I still have a lot of life to live. Live as though you are constantly being poured out, constantly yeah, like going down the I'm empty already being, being poured out. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. being poured out. Yes. Like it's not like I, I he's not saying like we think I think when we think of this passage, we think it's like a slow drip. Like right. your life is a slow drip, and at the end, you're you finally dried right. it all up. And I think Paul's probably getting more closer to like, hey, there's a strategic plan. Um, the end may be near, and I think for Paul, he knew the end was near. Right. Um, so there's a, a little bit of that going on. But I think we should live our lives as though we are constantly going to empty. And I know we. We talk a lot about burnout and like, I think we should be more strategic and more intentional with how we pour out, um, and don't play like the uh, like the the martyr, a false martyr or right, whatever. Right, like, right, right. I'm giving everything. No one else is doing anything. Right. Um, but and, and I liked. I, I don't know if he used the an Onesimus example here, but I liked how basically he used the Book of Philemon to talk about like. At one point, Paul's teaching Philemon. At another point, 
Paul's teaching Onesimus then randomly because Paul's been faithful in two different situations in two different areas to to pour himself out he now can like bring them together as brothers like right. in a whole yeah, different yeah. situation yeah. and I like that example because it, it does show that Paul wherever he was whatever he was doing whether it was near the end or not whether he was young and had energy or not he was constantly pouring himself out yeah because he was yeah. saying uh he was using that as the, like Paul's circumstances. He was in prison, so he could have just quit and said, "Look, you know." Yeah. But then he brought up the how he was ministered to people and and brought up the thing where Anisibus gets saved and then he sends him back and all mm-hmm. that. So yeah, that's that's when that was going on. So that that we we don't look at our circumstances and decide, well, this is just a time for me just to be poured into. We, we always continue to pour out in the midst of all that. And I think that's a good reminder for us to serve with joy, you know, because mm-hmm. if anybody had really any right to be like a martyr servant right. with the mindset, it was Paul. I mean, yeah. you see that list in, what yeah. is it, First, Second Corinthians 11, 13, mm-hmm. somewhere like that. I can't quite he, remember. He quoted it. He quoted it. Yeah. 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 yeah, so uh, look at the sermon. You'll figure it out there. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I mean, he all the was, different things that happened to him. Yeah, I mean, Paul suffered, but it was for Jesus, and he he counted it as joy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good applications for, especially like for pastors and you know maybe lay leaders and even as Christians, just to serve the Lord with joy. Yeah, you know, not get yeah. bogged down and it's tough. You know, I think we're all been guilty of it at some point, but to just serve with joy and it's such a good reminder just seeing Paul's example yeah and you know to, to close this 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 first point out um, he did talk about Jeremiah the fact that our lives have this sort of speci- uh, our lives have a specific calling not a spirit our lives aren't just a spiritual offering but our lives have a specific calling that there is um, there's specific specific specificity uh, there it is specificity <laughs> leave it to the redneck yeah, I English. can never get that word right that's a word that I was never going anyway there is that sort of specificity um, that is uh, um, uh, associated with our, our lives God God does have this specific call for our lives and not just the not just a call on you know us in this room the four of us who have all surrendered our lives to ministry and to being pastors but God has a call for every single person's life and and, and I like I like the fact that he used that the j- just a simple phrase and the time for my departure is close to expound on that to talk about how there's a specific calling for every that, that, yeah. that there is there's there's God's timing for things you know um, and that that because of that, we, we do need to live our lives as though God has a plan for those of us who are his faithful servants. That um, I'm not saying, I'm not one of those who thinks that um, everything is orchestrated down to the bite of a mosquito, right? Like, there are those who think that the script is completely and utterly written and we're just players on the stage playing out the things that God already has preordained. Um, but I do think that in the grand scheme of things, God does have specific purposes that he intends to fulfill. And I think at times there are times where he desires to fulfill those things through us and through our actions. And, um, and you know, it might be something as simple as he intends for you to be the one to, to invite your neighbor to church, right? It might be something like that. Or it might be he, he intends for you to go and to go on this mission trip to somewhere, you know, in, in, 
in East Europe or something like that and meet this one individual person who you will have a significant gospel conversation with. Maybe, you know, he intends for that. Now, can you be disobedient and, and not do those things? Yes, I think you can. I think you can you can do that. And does that mean that God's plans then are thwarted? No, it just means that now it's going to happen via a different a different route. But God God's plans are not going to be um, overthrown. We're not going to overthrow his plans. But I do think that he ha- he desires certain things in our lives. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, so like, you know, he desires for you, or we believe, to go back to Ardmore, Oklahoma, uh, against probably your own wishes <laughs> at the time, you know, because that, that's not something you ever intended to, to, to do. Um, he desires for you to go back there and to be the pastor at Marion and Black Road Baptist Church. Hey, I finally got it right, Jeron. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he desires for you to go and serve those people and to, you know, there's people there in that community that, that, that there's gospel conversations you're going to have that he desires for you to have. Now, you, could you have said, uh-uh, I'm not going back to Ardmore. I don't want to go there. My dad's there. My dad's church is there. Uh, it's going to be awkward. I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, you could have. Uh, you know, and God would have used somebody else to accomplish his plans. But instead, you're being, you know, I think that, 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 that you know, God's plan is for you to do this. You believe God's plan is for you to do this, and you're being obedient to that. But I do think he does have a strategic plan for every single faithful servant. I think that that is true. Um, any thoughts on that, guys? Before we well, move? you know, like uh, Timothy is basically the, the pastor of Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And Paul is encouraging him and trying to help him because um, you look at Timothy was timid and um, probably wasn't the best speaker and all those other things that there were, you know you can, you can read First and Second Timothy and some of the other readings to find out you know the the relationship there, but Paul's encouraging him to to stick with the plan, stick with the um, the purpose and everything while you're there. And so these were these words are meant to help him do that, and then he's using his life as an example. Like we don't know the future, you know, um, but but if you stay with it, there is going to be a time for your departure. Yeah, and mine's coming sooner than yours, mm-hmm. as as far as we can tell. But just to be ready for that as you make that transition, right? Um, and so, you know, life is like that. It's all kinds of transitions and all. And our job is to try to stay in God's will in the midst of all the transitions. Yeah. And uh, we do that by trying to be faithful yeah. to the to the overall plan, which is kingdom work. Right. And I think so often we, we forget about that. And yeah. we become more focused on maybe a building or uh, a, a specific place or a time when it's really bigger than that. Yeah. When you look at the scheme of things. Yeah. And so if you're always in that bigger plan, you're always going to be in God's plan for your life, wherever you're at. Right. I think God's plan, you know, people, people talk about it all the time. Well, what's God's plan for my life? And I'm like, well, God's plan for your life is for you to go and make disciples. That is your, that is his plan for your life. Now, where you go and do that, um, you know, God might have specific calling, right, for you to go and specifically go and make disciples in this area. Uh, but it might just be that God's plan is for you to go and make disciples right now where you're working, whatever that is, you know, and whether that's working in an office somewhere or whether that's working as a healthcare professional or working as um, a teacher in a school, wherever you are, you have the opportunity um, to, to make disciples and be a part of that strategic plan, right? Yeah. And uh, 
I guess maybe for me in my head, the, the way this probably plays out the best, like the best language I could put to this point um, is that I think the I think I think we are called, but that also God is calling. Mm-hmm. I think that is both. I think we should live as though we're called, mm-hmm. but also that God is calling. Not that God will call you, because I think a lot of times we live as though I'm going to sit and wait until I get a calling from God. Right. And I just think that's the wrong mentality. Mm-hmm. And so like how this plays out in my life, and I'm not going to, uh, it's going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn. I'm not. Um, but like I'll hear, like Blake is, I think, planning a trip to go to Alaska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I hear someone around me is going to Alaska, I immediately, because I know I'm called, I immediately go, I wonder if I can fit into that trip. And I, I remember doing that with even Jonathan. Yeah. He's going to Armenia. I'm like, hey, I wonder if I wonder if I can do that. Mm-hmm. Like and, and just living as though I'm ready, like am I am I I know I'm called. So do I fit into this? Do I fit in over there? Like right. I'm still gonna do what I'm doing here, but if God maybe wants me to go over there and do that, like how do I fit into that? And ultimately, um I sent a resource. I don't think it was used on the Armenia trip, but you can send money. You can send resources. You can send help, obviously prayer. Um, all those things are are in in God's plan, like for him calling you to be involved. You are called. And uh, Pace, because he's not that guy, uh, he actually just wrote a book on this. Like it just dropped. And mm-hmm. it's called Calling Out the Called. No, okay. no. Um, like he literally, and, and he he wasn't going to plug that, especially in a sub point. <laughs> one of his first points. I would have been like, all right, bro, like, that's, a, that's a bit of a stretch. But he does. He does I've have, got copies of it in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got copies in the back. He would, he would not do that. No, no, no. no. Um, but he does. He, it just dropped. It's called Calling Out the Called. And, it, and really, calling is kind of a buzzword in theological circles because yeah. it's like, are we called? Are we going to be called? And I think, yeah, we're called. And God is calling, mm-hmm. like actively calling. And yeah. our response is to be obedient yeah. to whatever that call may be, which kind of gets back to uh, Jonathan on that trip. When you look at that trip, when Jonathan said, hey, man, I'm thinking about going on that stuff. That's great, man. We'll pray for you. If you need money and all that support, we'll get it all going. And so it all started happening. But then when he comes back to say everything that happened on the trip, he sees now how God used him. Yeah to pour out like a drink offering Mm -hmm. for those people and had a message for them that they literally needed. Mm -hmm. So if, if he would have said, ah, I'm just not going to go. I got too much going on. You know, my daughter, you know, he he had way too much going on really logistically. (laughs) It was like, if you thought about it, you're like, I'm not going on this trip, Yeah. but he was obedient. And now looking back on it. And so if he had said, no, I couldn't go, then somehow or another, God still would have had a message for the people. And he had other people there giving messages too. Mm-hmm. But but it, when you look at what happened, though, he was the right person there for the right time, that whole uh, in the fullness of time kind of moment for him on yeah. that trip. And so that's kind of what we look for when we're doing ministry is how can I be that person for that time, whoever I'm dealing with right across from me at that 
particular point in time. And I think it's important for the Christian, and I know pastors, we ask this a lot, but I think it's important for Christians to, you know, how can I be used for the maximum impact for the gospel in my circles of of influence? And I think I can say for both of you, you feel like at the places y'all are going, you feel like you're going to have the most maximum impact for the gospel. For me right now as a student in seminary, I feel like maximum impact I can have is for children in North Durham at Rose of Sharon right now. Right, right. And so I think... And but even I think of even like church plants, like people going on church plants. Mm-hmm. They might not necessarily be like pastors or elders or leaders, if right. you will, but they might take their business somewhere. Mm-hmm. They might take their business and uh, use their business as a means to share the gospel with the yeah. community. And yeah. um, like I know, um, I went on a mission trip to Eastern Kentucky right. in old like coal mine and old coal mining country that a lot of the coal mines went out. And mm-hmm. this dude. Uh, was a pastor down in, I think, Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, had a nice out, making like six figures. I mean, living the life in ministry. But felt like the Lord was going to call him back. And felt like the Lord was calling him back to eastern Kentucky to kind of help not just revitalize churches, but really revitalize a town mm-hmm. and use like business as missions to mm-hmm. help people flourish. Because, right, Jonathan, you probably know better than anybody, that neck of the woods can... Yeah, no, with uh, yeah. the economic impact there is is right, rough, right, right, and not just but throughout Appalachia, right, rough. Right. And so he used that and just living out on that faith with that maximum impact. That yeah. going on that mission trip really, it was about doing service. Don't get me wrong, but the dude served me in a way mm-hmm. and showed me like what genuine faith looks like. Going to live that yeah. out because mm-hmm. I'll be honest. If I'm in his position, I'm thinking twice before moving back to Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Or for yeah. me, you know, Surrey County, the mountains of North Carolina, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was just a good good example. Well, I like I like I like that idea of calling out the call, that 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 we are called, but that God is still actively calling all the time. Uh, because um I do think that that what happens there, you're right, Jeremiah, is that we we act as though okay we're called to be disciple makers and now we just sit around and wait uh when's the phone gonna ring for for the next opportunity for me to you know go do the thing that god is calling me to do or to receive my calling right rather than god rather than seeing it as because we are called god is actively calling us all the time to do whatever so that it kind of goes back to the Great Commission, right? As you are going, mm-hmm. make disciples. So wherever it is that you're doing, you're, you're, you're thinking in terms, I've heard you say this to the students in your ministry before, whatever it is that, that you're doing, you should be asking yourself, how can I make disciples while I'm doing this, right? If it's, you know, with us, you know, we, we board game. Um, what, you know, if I'm board gaming, how can I use this to make disciples? How can I... What, what you know these conversations that come up and they come up even when we're just hanging out mm-hmm. um, how can I use this to, to, to make disciples how can I use this to teach people about the gospel so yeah all that and that's because of the second point that God does have a sanctified purpose for his servants and this comes from the from the verse that we've probably heard a lot preach more at funerals honestly than at ordinations <laughs> but the, the, this I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith um Paul yeah, is, I've used it several times. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've Paul, used that for a funeral before, too. Yeah, Paul is saying, you know, a lot of times we look at this and go, you know, well, he, he you know, he fought the good fight, he finished his course, or he finished his race, and, and he kept the faith. And we don't think about it in terms, 
we think about it in terms of describing a life well lived, not describing how to live a well lived life, mm-hmm. and 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 wow. that's and and that's the difference here. And I think I think what what Pace was doing yesterday is the is the latter of those two. He's using this to say this is how to this is how to live a well lived life. You have to stay in the fight. You have to run all the way to the finish line, and you have to keep the faith. Um, and he unpacked each one of those at length. We can talk a little bit here about that uh, if you like as well. But I, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of practicality in, in this, and this isn't just for again, this isn't just for pastors. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, th- this is. I mean, we look at it clearly from a pastoral perspective because that's who we are. But this, these words are are applicable, I think, to any disciple of Jesus Christ, dear mine. Yeah, and I liked where, going back to the, the intro, um, Pace kind of started there, like saying, like, are you a nurse? Are you, are you primarily a nurse? Are you primarily a... Mm-hmm. And, his, and his whole point there was like, yeah, do that. Keep doing that, but do it well. Like, and, 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 and are you defined by... I don't think he put it in these terms, but are you defined by being a good nurse or are you defined by being a good Christian nurse? Mm-hmm. Meaning like running well and, and, and that should be defined by how well you decide, by how well you 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 fulfill that calling, your purpose, like right. your your real purpose. You can have purposes like for board gaming, obviously, just to use that example. <laughs> <laughs> board gaming is just an idol mm-hmm. like it's just it's just a time waster right if i'm not using it for a sanctified purpose right like for a real purpose right and i think a lot of people see like hobbies and things they do like whether it's uh we'll just go to sporting events and stuff like yeah, that. yeah going right? to a sporting event or riding four-wheelers or going Playing to dollars. uh your uh, uh plays like uh broadway Damn. broadway shows and right, stuff like yeah, that yeah. Like, sure, it could be a time waster, but there's people there. Yeah. And you're a Christian. Yeah. Like, so so how how do we run that race well? Like how do we how do we just do this life, run it well, run it according to the rules, like all those things that he said, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, obviously I, I, what resonates pretty well from point two was uh the story the marathon story, mm-hmm. right? Battle at Marathon. And like it's one thing for that guy to run, just kind of, kind of get by, run, like walk, you know, like take breaks, get a, get get a drink. Right. But my man ran with everything that he had, and then tells the story. And I'm pretty sure he didn't even tell the story. I think he had a note. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's he carrying like, this. Yeah, like gave right. the note and like died. Yeah, like on the spot. Like didn't even get to receive any glory. Like, I mean, he, he receives glory now because we tell the story right, of Marathon, right? Yeah. right? Like, kind of a big deal. But it's funny. We don't tell the story of that guy. Right. The story is about Marathon. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh. the Marathon is 26.2. That's the battle. Right. That's not the guy's name. It right. would be, It would be. yeah, but I'm probably chased that rabbit too long. But but just running, running well. Like, like you said, we talked about it at funerals. Like, we look back at this person's life and, hey, they... They they finished their their race. They they ran well. Well, what if we live like that now? 
when I'm 30. Right. Rather than when I'm 70, people are like, he ran well. Well, I want to be running well now. And then maybe people could say that. And it's not about what people say at, at the end of your life, but it's about running the race well and, and fulfilling your purpose and uh, running according to the rules, right? And like all those things that uh, Pace pulled out like 17 different cross references right. for each one of these things. Uh, and so, yeah, I just think we, we need to run well. Yeah. Well, what is it, the the, the, the the funeral poem about the dash, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you live your life in the dash. And, 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 and that's that's where that sanctified purpose for, for, for God's faithful servants is played out, is in the dash. It's in, mm-hmm. it's in between there. It's, it's in the fight. It's in the, it's in the race. It is in the, the keeping the faith. I mean, all those things that, that we're called to do, it's, it's within the dash. That's where, that's where it's at. It's, it's not at the end of life. It's, a, it's in the midst of life. And so you have to, you know, I think what Pace was trying to say is we need to live our lives as though every moment of our life is, is sanctified for a purpose, right? Right. And if you go back to Paul in his circumstances being in prison, he could have just, just sat there and just not done anything. Yeah. But he wrote letters, one of them which he used to preach this message, he wrote most of the New Testament from a jail cell. Yeah, from a prison. Yeah, that's right. And so he, so even in that, by doing those letters and all, God still used him. And so God is still using Paul. Yeah, well, even we're, today. We're talking, the we're talking race about is, him today. Yeah, yeah, the race is still being won, run. Yeah, and yeah. so we need to look at our lives the same way. We're in this race together. We're fighting the good fight. We're just not fighting to be fighting. Mm, that's um, true. You know, and we want to keep all the way to the, we want to finish strong and do all that other stuff because. Again, it's the bigger plan. If it's just about me, then I'll have a platform. Maybe I have a building, put my name or whatever. What is good is that? It's not about. It's not about that. It's about about him and his kingdom. Yeah. And so um, when we have that focus, then we realize it's not about us or getting glory or anything like that. Uh, It's about how can we live our life then for this ultimate purpose that other people can join the race and join the fight and all this other stuff with us. Yeah, and like, you know, I, I was thinking in, in terms of, like a lot of the, what he was talking about is is like so many people, uh, obstacles are going to happen along the along the course, yeah, right? Or, or you're going to have... Um, you're gonna have times where you're gonna feel beaten up. I mean, he said if you're gonna if you're gonna remain in a fight, even a fighter who wins is beaten up at the mm. end. He's got scars. He's got wounds. He's he's not he's not coming out of that unscathed. And so, his whole point was, look, circumstances are going to happen. Bad things are gonna happen. You're gonna have obstacles in your life. You're gonna have sin that comes up in your life. You're gonna have all these things that are gonna come up in your life, but you can't stop. Uh, when those things happen, uh, you have to keep going, right? The way I think of it, know this straight the children's uh, um, the children's talk um, illustration I use. You know, my first five k. Um, it starts out, you know, the five k started out pretty flat, but then at about a mile and a half, about halfway in, mm-hmm. right when your bodies are kind of starting to ache a little bit and get right. tired, um, this huge incline is right above you. Yeah, and that part. Honestly, if you want to be honest, is the rough was the roughest part yeah, of the five yeah. k. Yeah. Um, and you know, like if you get above over that, you can finish well. 
but going on the incline is the roughest part. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of see that as like, you know, when sin might creep in or obstacles come into your way or, um, you know, Satan's trying to deceive in one area or, you know, trying to start some. But um, you have to have that strength that you've practiced and you've uh, – uh, disciplined yourself to, through that in order to make it through that. That's why Christ likeness is so important. Yeah, you know, being that spiritually fit, you know, being spiritually fit is important when you get to stuff. When you get to areas like that, because in a way, when we're doing this, when we're disciplining ourselves to do this with our spiritual lives, mm-hmm. we're preparing ourselves for when those moments come yeah and yeah. they're going to come yes as sad, it's just a sad reality i hate right. the fact that it does but they're going to come right. so through your spiritual discipline i know i've said it a lot today but you're preparing yourself for those moments yeah yeah you know not just solely to be ready for those moments the purpose is to be like christ but prepping yourself so when you are when those moments do come you will be ready and He'll be with you for the And you fire. really, honestly, you can't talk about, he, he did, he unpacked each one of these, but you really can't talk about the practical application of point two without talking about point three. Because it's in the third point that we find the motivation to do all that we're talking about. Because you say, well, okay, well, why, why do I have to keep going when it's tough? Like when, when bad things happen, why can't I just throw in the towel? I don't understand why, why isn't that an option, right? And the reason why is because um, or, you know, the reason why we have to keep going, the reason why we do keep going is because we have this sacred promise for God has a sacred promise for us that um, Paul mentions here. He says, there's reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. And so the reason why we can live our lives, we can live a well-lived life and we can follow God's strategic plan for our lives and we can uh, realize his sacred purpose for our life is because of the sacred promise he's given us that um, for all those who are who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ there is a promise that we will receive the crown of righteousness I want to I want to talk about that a little bit I was talking to these guys last night about this um, uh, so when he talks about the crown of righteousness, and I, I, I can't remember if Pace talked about this or not, and I, I didn't get to go back and listen to it, so I'm not sure. I'm not certain. But um, what is this crown of righteousness that he's talking about? Is this a metaphor? Is it, is it symbolic? Or is this a real crown that we're going to get? Like, you know, this is like, you know, like a gold crown, and, you know, when we get into the kingdom or whatever, uh, every person is going to get a crown. It's going to take a while. Um, but, uh, you know, or, or got all eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Get all eternity. I'm just waiting around. You know, I'm next in line, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, or, or is it, or is this more of a metaphorical thing, a crown of righteousness, um, that we'll receive? Well, I, um, that, since you mentioned that I was kind of a few years back, I was thinking about that same thing and I had, I had this picture in my mind that if you were born again mm-hmm. and you show up. And, you know, we're all going to stand before the judgment and they're going to look at the books. In my mind, it was like one crown mm-hmm. and you got the crown and then you laid it back. Right. And then the next person behind you gets the same crown uh-huh. and they lay it back. So yeah. so to me, if it was like a literal crown, I think it's 
reserved for everybody. Yeah. But I think it belongs to Jesus mm. because like it's that. His righteousness. Yeah, it is His righteousness. And so, yeah, it's going to take a long time, but what is time in right. eternity? <laughs> uh, but then everybody then. The cheers go up, yay, the victory. Right. And then the next person, yay, the yeah, victory, yeah, the next person. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, I pictured that a few years back, that that could be a possibility. Yeah, yeah. If you looked at it that way. Yeah. I think it's I think that's a good question to ask because you, we hear that kind of terminology a lot, like, um, well, you just earned a jewel in your crown. Or, um, yeah. Or right. like in the old rugged cross, I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. You know, that yeah. kind of language is around. You know, so yeah. it's like, I think it is a good question. Yeah. But the, when, thing, the thing that, yeah. excuse me, but no, the thing good. that gets brought up is, because uh, we just, I, I just read an obituary recently uh-huh. that the person had passed away and they got everything they deserved. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So a lot of times when we look at the crown, it's almost like it, this is something I've deserved and earned I've because earned. I've, I've fought the gift fight, I've finished the court. So I've earned this crown, and uh-huh. I don't think it's something we earn. I think it's something that's given. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a that's, really that's, important distinction. Yeah. So, yeah, I think most people think it is something we earn mm-hmm. practically. Yes, but at the same time, if it is something we earn, they're really not doing anything <laughs> to try to earn it. Right. So it's like not about works, but we do our works because of the one we serve. Yeah. Because he served us. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll, I'll talk, stop talking now. You oh, you're good. You're good. Um, so, yeah, going back, because you hear that terminology a lot. I'll be honest, when I was younger, I would have supported a physical crown. Yeah, yeah. I think the more that I read it now, I think it's more of a metaphor. Okay. Um, in my, in yeah. my opinion, and I'm not yeah. saying that as gospel. I'm just saying my yeah. What I no, think no. here because yeah. we don't know, right? Because no, it's know. reserved for me the crown of righteousness. I, I can't obtain righteousness on my own. I think right. Scripture's clear. Yeah. Um, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will give on that day, and not only to me, but all those who have loved His appear. Really, the way I kind of inter- interpret that is like the glorification part of salvation, mm-hmm. how that finally comes to fruition whenever mm-hmm. we are in, in the resurrection. Yeah. So that's my view on it. Okay. It's more of a uh, metaphor uh-huh. and this crown of righteousness, you know, we'll, you know, it talks about we'll reign with Christ and, you know, and yeah. kingdom. I think it's more of a metaphor of, you know, we will be fully clothed in Christ's righteousness, righteousness. Yeah. In, in glory. Mm. Jeremiah, you got some thoughts on this one? I do. And I actually think Pace did answer this um, without using these terms. So he wasn't talking like whether it's physical crown, metaphorical crown. He went straight where I think we probably should. Anytime you see the word righteousness in, in reference to us, he went straight to imputed righteousness. Mm, right. And because uh, he did talk about Im- imputation of righteousness and how we can receive righteousness through a relationship with Jesus. He did quote 2 Corinthians 5.21, which is that one that is, uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us mm-hmm. so that right. we can become the righteousness of God. And he did say it's not something you can earn. Mm-hmm. Um, so this righteousness, you, you can't earn it. It's it's given to you. Yeah, he said and, all those yes. things. He said all of And he did say we would cast it back. He did say he would cast it back at the end. And I, that's for me, I don't know how that works. Right. Because I don't want to, I'm not going to give back my right, my right stat, status. No. So if it's about no. a status, I'm not going to give that back. Right. Like, 
Because then I'd just go to hell at that point. Right. Because the only reason I'm there is because of this righteous right, status. Right. So it has to be, for me, it has to be like metaphorical. Like, right. It has to be more involved. I think it is talking about uh, the righteousness obtained through a relationship with Jesus, the imputed righteousness that we get from Jesus. It comes from him. We didn't earn it. We definitely don't deserve it. It comes from him. And I was going to say something else, but I think I forgot. <clears throat> well, the, the second part of that is that he said we'll receive the crown of righteousness and we will worship the king of righteousness. Yeah, which I think is, is the Lord of right or the righteous right, king. Yeah. Right. So, so, and that's where, I, I, Jeff, actually, that's where he was talking about, you know, the crown, good, good casting. The crown, yeah, the, casting the crown at his feet. And, and, um, I mean, te- I mean, we really don't know. We don't. We don't. We have but no idea. But it is good to think about. And like I said, the only thing I can really come up with is that. It is the crown. It's one crown. I do like the fact. Get. I do like the fact that you kind of. Oh, I do know. What I was going to say. So this is how this is how uh, prepositions work, and I didn't think I was going to talk about prepositions. <laughs> but when you talk about a crown of righteousness, uh-huh. there's like two ways you can interpret that. There's a crown that contains righteousness. Right. And I think that may be like. Well, he didn't call it a. He says the crown. Yeah, the crown that contains mm-hmm. righteousness. Or a crown of righteousness, yeah, right? The, or the it, crown of righteousness. or it's like, like the that. same how we interpret like baptism of repentance. Mm-hmm. We don't believe it's a baptism that contains repentance. Right. We believe that the repentance is the baptism. Right. And so I think here you would almost use that same interpretation. It's a crown of righteousness, meaning it, the righteousness is the crown. Mm-hmm. Ma- making it yeah, a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Right. I like that because if it was like a crown of righteousness, you know, interpretation there, but the crown of righteousness, I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. That's why. Really or, if, or if you even, or even if you I took, don't think we would say the crown. That's the a crown good Containing op- repentance. Right. Or sorry, the crown. I, I just Baptism. Mixed metaphors. <laughs> the crown containing righteousness. righteousness. I'm like, the, the righteousness doesn't come from the crown. Exactly. Right. Right. Right, it comes from Jesus, the right. the, the one that the, has the righteousness, the one who is has crowning the crown. you with it. Yeah, yes. However, way that's going to be. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to the imputation. He's crowning well, the one thing, you. The one, thing that, that the one thing that all of you agree on, though, is the thing that I think that we need to spend the most time on is that it's not it's not about the crown at all, and 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 that's what. And yeah. so many times when this gets mentioned, everybody talks about, and like even in some of the, and they're well meaning, even in some of the well meaning hymns and songs mm-hmm. and stuff that we have. The, the, the wording of that implies that it's all about what the stuff I'm going to get. I'm going to get a crown. I'm going to get a robe. I'm going to get Walk a mansion. Go. I'm going to get I'm gold. Gonna I'm going to get jewels. Then I can fly. Right. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to fly. <laughs> I'm going to but, but, but Well, and honestly, that whole jewel, they got a jewel in their crown, I would say is just straight wrong. Yes. Well, that and that's what and that's my point. My point <laughs> is, that's is that works yeah. my point is that I think and that I've there, said it myself. So I, yeah, I yeah. think that there are people who who hear that and literally think that way that that I'm going to earn treasure, right? I'm going to earn and, I, and the things that I'm doing now because Jesus says, "Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, mm-hmm. where moth and rust don't destroy." And and then we read that and go. You know, we're thinking like pirate, you know, pirate loot and stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm putting up gold treasure, you know, yeah. and it's not about that. It's the, the kind of treasure it's talking about is metaphorically righteousness and 
and, and you know, and, and purity and glory and all those things, right? And potentially it, other people. And other people, right? And and so um, that's we, 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 we tend to material we're so we're such material people that we tend to materialize the kingdom and I just don't think that that's what it's about but yeah. if Jesus was speaking of material things there it wouldn't really make sense because in order to get all those material things if that's true you gotta have Jesus yeah you know and I don't see him say in an interpretation where I don't see himself talking about the material things when he is the resurrection, you know, he is the life, he is the way to get there. And it's all about him. Right. And at the end of the day That's what's being restored is our humanity's worship back to him. That's exactly right. Him. And at the end of the day, what motivates me to keep fighting? What motivates me to um to, to run the race well and to and to keep the faith? It's not material things. Mm-hmm. It's the righteousness of Jesus right. Christ. Maybe. Right. It's it's that relationship I have with him. That's what motivates me uh, to do to to live the sacred purpose and to follow his strategic plan for my life. It's the promises of uh, that are fulfilled in Jesus. Those things, not material things. It's it's not it's not about that. It's not about what kind of house I'm going to have in heaven or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not about that. And I know when we could. We can spend time talking about, okay, well, what's heaven going to be like? I honestly don't think we can, I don't think our brains can contain it. I just don't think our brains can really understand it. All, all I know is that Jesus is preparing it for us. He's, and, and God has set it aside as a, as, as, as a paradise, and that's enough for me. I, I, don't, I don't need to know the details. I don't, I don't really have to know. When it's like any time, uh, like streets of gold, stuff like that is used, it's almost like saying, think about the most valuable things you think you have on this earth. And those, those things in comparison to what heaven is like is really nothing. It's yeah. like pavement. It's like, it's not really the, it's not what's valued. Right. And so often, I mean, let's be honest, in our culture today, people do pour their lives out as mm-hmm. drink offerings. For mm-hmm. what? Fame, fortune. Well, for idols. Uh, yeah. Notoriety. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I mean, we have a whole culture that's pouring their whole life out to try to save a planet. Right. You know, like somehow or another, we as humans can save a planet. Right. And we can't. And and so, um, what we have to do is is, and I think he 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 pointed it out. Is like you're going to live your life for for things, and yeah. you're going to build on this foundation. You're going to build wood, hay, and stubble, and then you're going to build the. Uh, the jewels and the crowns and all that. Yeah. And so that, what is your life, what is your life going to be about? Yeah. Um, so if I'm a Christian, I know I'm going to receive a crown of righteousness. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve anything. I don't really earn anything, but I'm going to be able to uh, worship around the King's throne forever and be a part of that great victory uh, in him. That's and it. so, um, so that helps us have a perspective then, not to get so caught up in the material things here on this earth, because really they're, they're going to moth, moth, moths and wind and storms and rains and it, the thieves, all that. It could be all taken away just like that. And I think COVID, in a way, taught some people that lesson, but not everybody, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back to having Christ. You know, finding contentment in Christ mm-hmm. is so important, and not other things. Um, I had a professor, Dr. Black, 
a Greek professor over at Southeastern, he said the most miserable person is a Christian in sin. Mm-hmm. When a Christian's not finding their contentment in Christ but trying to find in other things, mm-hmm. he said the most miserable person is a Christian in sin. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot to that with... Right. Way. Well, I'd say um, at the end of the day, I think Pace did a great job oh, of yeah. preaching a charge that, that, that applies not only to, to you, Jeremiah, but applies to... Yeah. To all, uh, all disciples, all followers of God who are going to be faithful followers, I think, I think these words we've just talked, you know, talked at length about today are are applicable to every single every single one of those people. And so, um, just did a great job. <clears throat> we didn't even touch on half of what he covered. I mean, right. he he pulled so much scripture uh, that was, it was just really. If you've not heard the message, I encourage you to go to our uh, Facebook page at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church and. And go and listen to this message. It's a fantastic message uh, on on this text, and just a, a really great job. All right. Well, this is going to wrap it up for today. Um, we are um, uh, we've talked for about an hour here, so we're gonna we're gonna close shop here next week. Uh, yeah, I'll be preaching my final sermon here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church um, as as their associate pastor and um, worship pastor, and. Uh, I am going to go to uh, the verse that I am probably most passionate about. Uh, I thought about, you know, you, we were going to preach our passions, and I thought oh, this would be good. So I'm, um, I'm going to go to 1 Peter 3, 15, 16, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, being, uh, being ready to give, a, to give an answer for the hope that's within us. And so, that would be awesome. Yeah, we'll talk about awesome. that, talk a little bit about apologetics. But really, there's a lot more in that in that oh, text yeah. than than just about apologetics, and right. so uh, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to unpacking that with you guys next week. All right, that'll do it for this one. Thanks so much for listening and for tuning in. As always, if you've got questions or concerns, just email us at rospcpastors at gmail.com. We'll be glad to answer those uh, those emails. So have a great week. Go and be God's faithful followers. So long.